Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for another Friday evening, another opportunity to look to your Word and look to you and, and learn of your heart. And so, Holy Spirit, begin to teach us the things of God. Begin to open up your word to us tonight, Lord. And God, there's things that we all need to hear individually. And I pray, Holy Spirit, make that alive tonight, whether in this room or through the the live stream or through the recording, Lord. Make this message connect in a way that I could not cause it to, Lord. Uh, We look to you, Lord Jesus, as our ultimate teacher. Teach through me and speak to our hearts tonight. Open our ears to hear what you would say to us tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, we've been looking at the book of Acts for a number of months, but tonight we're going to take a hiatus from that and we're going to zero in on something that we talked a little bit about this week here in the prayer room uh, related to praying for our sons and daughters. I I wrote here in the notes, and by the way, if you're watching this on Facebook or the recording, the notes are always online, so they're on our website at at gphop.org slash teachings, and there's a notes uh, tab there underneath the sermon title, which getting ahead of myself, the sermon title for tonight, Fathers and Mothers, Sons and Daughters, Prayers and Fastings. Fathers and Mothers, Sons and Daughters, Prayers and Fastings. So we're taking a break from the series in the book of Acts uh, to talk about our role as both natural fathers and mothers, but also spiritual moms and dads to pray for our children and the generation of children that we're seeing raised up today. But there was an urgency that touched me this week as we began to prepare for our Wednesday night gathering. We do the first Wednesday of the month. We do uh, live worship and prayer mixed together. There's usually a few more people. And the worship leader, Lene, said that in a prayer group she leads in Tremont, uh, had been praying on this topic. And then someone at the local high school, a sophomore, uh, recently took their own life. And so they'd been contending for the children, and then that, that happened, and so it was, it was a real uh, tough gut punch. And whenever that happens, whenever a, a young child, especially a young person, decides to end their own life, it's just a, it's a, it's a real feeling of loss. And, uh, and so that just touched me, and there's a few other things that happened that week where I just kind of went... Man, there is a real strategy of the enemy. I mean, just as the Bible says, to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is the father of lies. He seeks to quench life at any opportunity he can get. Whether it's within the womb before 
someone's born or any time during life, the enemy is, Scripture tells us, is like, uh, you know, going around like a lion, seeking whom he can devour uh, at an opportune time. And so, you know, there is this real adversary. There's a real enemy. And, and oftentimes Christians don't consider this adversary in a real way. And of course, we focus on God. As believers, we focus on Jesus as, as the primary focus of the Christian faith. But we don't pretend the enemy, Satan or the devil, we don't pretend that he is not real. There's a, there's a role that we have in releasing authority that displaces his influence. And I want to talk about this tonight. I want to talk about how we have a role as fathers and mothers. Come on in. Come on in. Hello, hello. Come on in. I'm going to just pause here. We got some visitors coming on in. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Well, we're going to look to Scripture. Thank you so much for your blessings back there. (laughs) We're going to look at Matthew 17. That was sort of the introduction. Turn over to Matthew 17 or look at your notes or flip flip over to your smartphone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Woo. <laughs> I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going here. Matthew chapter 17. Verses 14 to 21. Let's read this. I, I do have to ask. There's a, we, we do have to keep it down a little for the... Yeah, there we go. Matthew 17, 14 to 21. Are you guys coming in or... Come on in. Come on in. Caleb, go ahead and close that up and then get our, our special friends here some notes. Caleb, go ahead and close that, buddy, and help help out, Mama. Thank you. <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> Karma. Very nice to meet you. I'm Derek. I just started the sermon here, so I'm just going to keep on rolling and just however long you want to stay, or we'll be, you know, sharing the word for a moment, and then we'll have a little time of prayer. So feel free to. Just stay as long as your, your heart is content. But this is a really important passage of Scripture, especially for moms and dads and, and also those who aspire to be a, a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. But Jesus said in Matthew 17, this is under number two on the notes, under tonight's Scripture, this is a really amazing story, and I just want to touch on some application. I mean, we could talk a lot about the different ins and outs of this passage, but just going to focus on a couple key insights. 
It says, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him. This is a man came to Jesus. And it says he knelt down to him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. So Jesus is in, you know, his ministry is in full throttle. His ministry is just going, you know, it's, it's, he's going viral, so to speak. And there's crowds everywhere. Wherever Jesus goes, there's huge crowds. In this instance, a father who has only one child, we find out in a different passage, he brings his son to Jesus and essentially says a prayer. He says, Lord, I mean, he says what we would say. We would say, Lord, have mercy, my child is sick. That's how, I mean, we would pray to him in the heavens. But Jesus was right there physically. And so he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic. He suffers severely. And then it says he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So you understand epilepsy. Every once in a while he would seize up. But the enemy that was involved in this affliction that we'll see later would, would, would cause him to to have these seizures when he was in the water or next to a fire to try to take him out. And so the dad says, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. We'll talk about that sentence as well. Jesus answered and said, now this, this seems like it's a little mean, but as we consider it, it's actually helpful. <laughs> Whenever you come to a scripture and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I like that. All the more pay attention to, to the message. When I, that's, just, that's just Bible 101. If you're reading a passage and you're like, oh, I don't like that, double down on that and say, Lord, what do you want to speak to my heart? Because I know you're right. God, I know your truth is, is good for me. And so he says, Jesus says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. I think what Jesus said is significant. We're going to touch on that in a second. It says that Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? You told us to do this stuff. We didn't have any ability to, to help this guy and his child. What, what, what was the, what's the secret? Jesus said to them, it's because of your unbelief. This is an important lesson for us as believers, especially as we get older and we really want to help the younger generation. He says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Jesus was, I mean, it seems like Jesus, are you being serious? Like there is a place where we can have faith to move a mountain. I mean, we've heard that saying, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus does not exaggerate. He is the most right-on prophet in history. He doesn't use an, an exaggeration here. He says, if, if you have faith, <laughs> and we have a faith here, woo, I tell you what, could I just kindly ask that we minimize the cheer? Thank you. <laughs> it's just really... Oh, 
All right. We have a a very blessed, recently turned three-year-old, and this little boy has energy. He has energy. Sometimes I wish the passage said, if you want to cast out a little too much energy in your... No, I'm just kidding. I love our little boy. If he had his way, we would only wrestle all day. And then I'd have to take a nap. I love you, Zeke. Love you very much. Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will listen to you. That's, that's if you have faith. And I'm like, Lord, I want faith to move mountains. Then he tacks on, and nothing will be impossible for you. What a statement. I want to be the kind of Christian, I want to be the kind of quality of Christian where impossibilities flee, mountains move. That's exactly what I want to see. Bless you, bless you. Nothing will be impossible for you. And then verse 21, he says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So he, Jesus says a, a few really challenging statements, but he also says a few statements that are like, I, I can't even believe you would say that. You, we, we've all heard this idea that nothing's impossible for God, but here's God saying nothing will be impossible for you. If you believe, if you have the faith I'm talking about, nothing will be impossible for you. He says an interesting statement. He says, there is a certain kind of demonic power that only goes when God's people are praying and fasting. And I want to touch on that tonight. That is so significant because there is... There is something we can do about the plight that we see today when we see young people suffering, where we see young people being afflicted, just as this boy was. When we see the children of this generation being assaulted by the enemy with, you know, it could be a whole host of issues, but like we mentioned, this this precious family who lost a, a sophomore in high school uh, who is, you know, thought there's no reason to live. That, that is an assault of the enemy on the mind. Those kinds of thoughts are from the enemy. It could be a, a depression. It, it, it could be some kind of a, affliction or torment in the mind or the physical body. But, but for sure, the same enemy that was afflicting this boy is afflicting boys and girls today, 2,000 years later, He has never stopped. And I think of all the children out there in the earth who the enemy is trying to burn them and trying to get them to drown in all kinds of illicit behavior and all kinds of attacks on their mind and body and identity. There is a real enemy seeking to cause suffering seeking to cause severe suffering. And Jesus wants us to to learn that there is a way to challenge the enemy's assaults. 
We don't have to be victims to every time we're attacked by the enemy. And, and I will admit this whole topic of, well, what is or isn't the devil? What kind of sickness is or isn't? Or what kind of this or that is the devil or is just, I don't know. I just know that the Bible says we have authority and that if we pray and fast, nothing's impossible. So I don't have to figure every single equation out. All I have to do is look at Scripture and say, Jesus, you said this, that if we had faith, mountains would move, nothing would be impossible. You said that there's some kind that only go out by prayer and fasting, and so I believe that. And many would say, well, that's crazy talk, Derek. Uh, Sickness is sickness. And I don't even know if I believe in the demonic. I don't even know if I believe in Satan. You know, many Christians today uh, are getting sketchier and sketchier on their biblical worldview. And so they, they are getting real confused about basic Bible doctrines such as there is a real God and there is a real devil. That, that's been a given for 2,000 years of church history, but somehow we're getting enlightened today. And so there's a lot of Christians who say, I don't even know if that's real. No, it's real. And what I've been saying to a number of families over the last couple of weeks is the devil doesn't stop attacking us because we don't think he's real. You know, some Christian family out there may think, well, you know, whatever, I don't really believe in that. Well, the devil doesn't stop attacking because we have bad doctrine. So he'll still assault our marriage, our kids, our businesses, our ministries. He'll do everything he can to interrupt, and if we don't challenge his attacks through seeking the Lord through prayer and by asking for the grace to abstain from a meal here or some kind of way forward in in the realm of fasting, then he'll go unchecked. I just think of just the kids in our area right now. Just, I'm thinking about central Illinois, the, the kids out there who are suffering. Maybe it's because of a family situation. Maybe it's because of a real serious a sickness. Could be cancer. Could be, you know, a whole host of issues. I think of how many of these difficult situations the enemy is behind the curtains. Not 100% of the time. Sometimes someone gets a cold, it's just a cold. And it's just that. But there's oftentimes, there's an affliction, Satan has gotten involved. Or maybe it was just a natural circumstance, but the enemy stepped in to take it from a, from a level one to a level nine. And so we have to pray, Lord, this level one just became a nine real quick. In the name of Jesus, we come against that. Bring that thing back down to a zero. And so there's all kinds of ways. We, we don't have certainty on things that the Bible doesn't explicitly state. But for sure, there's a real devil. There's a real Satan. And he accuses. He lies. He seeks to destroy. He seeks to sow all manner of discord. It's kind of like this, the, the analogy I have is just imagine a zoo and you're, you know, 
at the zoo and you're looking into the lion cage and the, the zookeeper decides to just lift the gate up and so the lion just lurks out and you're just like, oh, you know, that's okay. Someone's got to tranquilize that thing real quick or it can get bad. You know, there's these video now that the internet's out there, <laughs> social media, you see a video now and then where something like this happens at a zoo and, you know, a monkey gets loose and, you know, does something weird. But, you know, the... The enemy is lurking, and we have to bring out prayer. We have to be able to say, you know what, maybe, maybe I won't have lunch today and just have an extra few minutes to pray and ask for the mercy of God in my life and family and city and nation and generation. You know, those kinds of things, they tranquilize the enemy. They, it's like it just puts him down for a minute or two. And we experience the presence of the Lord. I could go on and on about this. This is really fresh on my heart. Um, notice what Jesus does. When this dad prays, Lord, have mercy on my son, Jesus gets involved. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Extra big gulp there. <laughs> this dad brings this boy and Jesus says, bring him to me. And in essence, this man's prayers release the ministry of Christ. And that's ultimately what prayer does. Prayer doesn't make us more powerful. What prayer does is it releases the ministry of Jesus. It causes God to get involved. And when God gets involved, things change very quickly. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants there to be disciples in the earth. He wants there to be leaders. He wants there to be churches that when people bring their afflicted sons and daughters to the communities of faith, we can do something about it because we have prayer lives. Because we've taken seriously our faith and we've cultivated a faith that manifests uh, or, or is expressed as prayer and fasting the more i do prayer and fasting the more i feel like oh this is hard this is difficult it doesn't ever feel good it's time it's it's it constrains my time but here's the thing it doesn't have to feel good to work it, it no matter what it feels like it all counts the same I love how this picture of a father praying for his son, and, and I want you to know, Kissner boys, I pray for you guys. <laughs> I pray, I mean, I, I, I just, the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm just going to pray for my kids. We all need it. But this dad was hurting. Imagine if you're a father and you only have one boy, and that one boy has epilepsy, and he's always almost dying. He's always falling into the waters or into the flames and he's getting injured, getting bruised up, getting battered around by the enemy. I mean, that, it, the story is about a young boy, but there's also a dad that we need to think about. There's a mom somewhere. This is their only child and he's been bruised and battered and they don't know what to do. And I tell you, nothing makes... Nothing makes you feel more helpless or hopeless than a sick and suffering child. Because you just want to take every good cell in your body and drop it into them and you want to make them better. There's just a, it's a very hopeless, 
like, oh, Lord. And, and it's that kind of empty feeling in the gut that Jesus says, turn that into prayer. Turn that, that feeling, you know, that you, when your own children are sick, turn that into prayer and turn that into prayer not only for your own family, but the, the children of our community and the children of our generation. You know, my intention is to remind us that we have been granted the authority. I mean, there are so many verses where Jesus essentially says, you're going to heal the sick, you're going to cast out devils, you're going to raise, resurrect the dead, you're going to drink deadly poison and won't harm you. There's all manner of verses, and I think we've kind of tiptoed into it as a as a church over the last 2,000 years, as a historical church, we've kind of tiptoed in it. But I feel like what Jesus is saying is, I want, a, I want a global church exercising the full authority I died for. I try to imagine if there's 100 churches in town where boys and girls with epilepsy, like this story, are brought into churches, they come in with epilepsy and they leave delivered what would be the talk of the town if there were dozens or a hundred churches or more where these kinds of realities were being broken by the power of God, where people began to see the name of Jesus is superior to every single sickness? I long for the day where we see every disease known to man bow to the name of Jesus. I long for the day where the church of Jesus Christ is known. Take them to that church. You'll leave healed. You'll leave delivered because their God is mightier than cancer. He's mightier... And I'm not against medicine at all. I love medicine. It's a manifestation of the, the healing of Christ. It's, they're not in competition with one another. Some people make that kind of, well, if I believe in healing, then I can't go to a hospital. No, that's a manifestation of healing. So we don't confuse those two. We still, you know, we still have uh, research and, and medicine, and that's completely valid. And we also believe for the miraculous. We believe for the instantaneous. We believe for all of it. Just last night, we were praying, Lord, release revelation to these researchers. Let us get more insight on how to defeat cancer. Let us get more. I mean, these are things we pray in this house. And also we pray, okay, until then, let people come in with the incurable stuff and let them leave without it and let the thing in the middle be this man named Jesus. I'm going to go just for a few more moments. Now let's consider what Jesus said because this is a subject that many people who believe, they love Jesus, they go to church every Sunday, they go to a small group, but when you talk about this subject of maybe, you know, they might call it spiritual warfare or healing 
or the miraculous, however you want to chalk it up. There's a pause here. And that's why I think Jesus said what he said. Because 2,000 years ago when Jesus was ministering, when he said, oh, faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? That, that statement is the truth. I mean, he didn't, you know, some people go, well, Jesus, you should have declared and decreed and had faith and all this stuff. And Jesus would say, well, that's not really how that works. He's, he's saying, I want to set a generation free. And to do that, I got to be honest. I got to be truthful. There is a spirit of unbelief that is so powerful and persuasive that even my top disciples are heavily influenced by it. And I would say this, I'm not trying to be dramatic, I would say that, that it's the same issue as exists today. There is just a massive, overwhelming spirit of unbelief that exists in much of the church so that even talking about this is like, eh, no thanks. There's a great, and I believe the Lord would say today, there is, there is a faithless generation right now. There is a people who lack faith. There is, uh, unbelief is dominating many of the people. And that leads to all manner of perversions. If we don't have biblical faith, if we don't have the faith Jesus called us to, we just, we get, everything gets crooked from that point on. And I believe the challenge is Jesus is saying, I want you to have the quality of faith where you speak to a literal mountain, a spiritual mountain, and they move. I mean, what is, that's to me is like he said the word mountain, so because that's the biggest thing. I mean, what's bigger than a mountain? He, the idea is things that we think are immovable and incurable he says, they'll move if you have faith in me. They'll move. Again, we, we go to the doctor. We do everything that we know to do because that's how Jesus manifests healing and, and often. And then there's things where medicine says we don't have any ability to go any further. It's either God intervenes or that's it. And as for me and my house of prayer... As for me and my family, as for me and my friends, I want to invite us to take seriously our, our authority, our responsibility to challenge the enemy, to bring the incurable, impossible, mountain-like scenarios to the feet of Christ like this dad, to bring our sons and daughters to bring the sons and daughters of a generation who are being burned and they're drowning and all manner of affliction that where the enemy is behind the scenes doing things. I want to be able to see the ministry of Christ released because we're praying and we're fasting. You know what? We don't have to be good at it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, well, once you're good at it and it looks cool on social media and you're kind of savvy with it, then it's actually really powerful. No, it never looks good. It never feels good. No one fully figures it out. Jesus says, just do it. Just pray. It doesn't say you have a good sounding prayer life. It doesn't mean you have a respectable prayer ministry. It doesn't mean, it doesn't tell us how long or short to fast. It just says, do it. Get a prayer life. Every once in a while, just take lunch off and pray for 10, 15 more minutes on your lunch break. 
Who knows what will, will happen if we do what Jesus said? Now it just so happens that prayer and fasting is probably one of the most unpopular, least talked about subjects. Many Christians today say, well, that's religion, that's legalism, the grace of God. And everybody says, grace of God, like I can do whatever I want, grace of God. No, this is the grace of God. This is how we cooperate in the grace of God. We do, we obey what he said. And if he said, this is what faith looks like, prayer and fasting, we do that. Again, we don't have to be good at it. We don't have to fast for 40 days every 40 days. We, we don't pray all day, all night. I mean, I'm hoping one day we'll see 24-7 expressions of prayer in our community. That's got to be a God thing, but it's going to be stewarded by many people. I mean, we all have to do, go about life, but we take portions to pray, and that's what Jesus is talking about. I think we need to hear Jesus' heart. Oh, this is a faithless generation. If only they had faith. If only they believed there would be less perversion. There would be less sons and daughters afflicted. There would be more miracle stories. There would be more churches flowing in the power of God in the name of Jesus being magnified in a community. It's like Jesus saying, oh, if my people just had faith, if they just had biblical faith, not being able to write a doctrine down, but actually exercising the kind of faith that prays, that knows God, that makes him known, that seeks heaven's mercies, that, that's just really praying and really at times taking, saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to skip breakfast. I'm going to maybe have a little extra big lunch, but I'm just going to take that time to pray. However it works for you there, you don't have to do what the other guy does or the other, you can just whatever works for you. Some people do the juice or, you know, whatever Jesus says, just do it. And you'll, you'll see impossible things unlocked. You know, what's interesting about this story Because no story in the Bible is an accident, right? We get one of the best lines in Scripture because of this scenario. You know, we, we see that this is in the Mark passage. Mark 9, I have all three of the passages that are in the Gospels. You know, we see this dad bring his son to Jesus, but, but by the middle of the Mark passage, it says he's, he's crying out with tears, he came earlier like Jesus. He was urgent, but now he has tears in his eyes. And I'm telling you, if you, you know, Jesus is a genius. He gives us kids because when we have kids, our prayer life goes to another level. So he's not just praying with urgency. Now he's praying with tears. Tears are flowing from his eyes. He's sobbing, Jesus, please do something. And that's when we get the line. He says, Lord, I do believe I believe you, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. One of the most profound statements I think we've been given in the New Testament, and, and what it's saying is, like, Lord, I really do believe what you're saying. I believe that that, that impossible thing, that mountain-moving thing, that authority you're talking about, I believe that, but I know at the same time on the flip side of the coin, in other places of my heart, there is a 
real tendency to be unbelieving tomorrow. So I, I believe it today, but tomorrow, ah. And so, Lord, I believe you, but just help me in that place where I just constantly want to go back to unbelief and get cynical and say, it's not for me. It's not for my family. It's been so long and it's been so hard. And Jesus says, you believe. Keep believing. Fight that place of unbelief. That's what he's getting. He wasn't just wanting to heal a boy. He was wanting to heal a dad. He was wanting to heal a mom. He was, was wanting to teach people theology. He was wanting to teach us faith and, and to know that there is a faith available to global Christianity that challenges the most impossible demonic powers, not because of our power, but because we've released, we've used the key of prayer and intercession that unlocks Christ. And some would say, well, why can't Jesus just do it? That's not how the grace of God works. He has a part and we have a part. We pray and we skip lunch and he goes, boom. Now that thing that was immovable, it's gone because you cooperated. I won't do everything. I'm God and I can, but I won't until my people understand they have a role. There's a reason why God started with Adam and Eve and he said, tend the garden. He wants us to tend the garden. He's not going to do everything for us. And so he says, you've been granted a certain measure of dominion. You've been granted a certain measure of spiritual authority. I want you to manifest the fullness of it right here now. And yet so many believers today, well, that's not for today. Well, I've never seen it. And, so many, and, the, and the Lord says, that's unbelief. I don't care what kind of good language you give it, it's unbelief. Jesus says, get back into faith. Jesus says, if you have real faith like what I'm talking about, you'll see mountains move. You'll see epilepsy healed. You'll see the thing that's afflicting that child, you'll see it leave. And you'll see freedom. So imagine this boy gets healed. Guess what dad feels like now? And guess what mom back home feels like? Because, of course, we know mom told dad to take the son to Christ. I don't know how it worked. We're assuming mom's at home or somewhere in the crowd. But then there's neighbors that were impacted because the son said, they know that boy's had epilepsy his whole life. So the neighbors are impacted and then the neighbors talk to other neighbors. And then there's the, the cousin that lives far away that hears the story. One miracle because one dad brought his son to Christ. There's a reverberation and that's why the stuff Jesus is talking about, when a mountain moves, people talk. When the impossible begins to be unimpossible, people talk, and the fame of Christ is magnified. And that's the whole point. We don't want this stuff because it's neat or cool. We want this stuff, we want to help people, and we want to give glory to God. It's possible that in one scenario, God can be glorified, we can be blessed, and others can be blessed. And that's, that's the gospel. We lift up the name of Jesus. People are rescued, saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Spirit. And the stories like dominoes reverberating every direction. Did you hear about that epileptic boy? He was always drowning in fires and he is healed and whole now. Oh, who did that? Jesus did that. We got to have this here. We got to have this now. Not just back in the old Bible days, not just in another country. Many, many believers today, they're content with the stories out there. No, we need to contend for them to be here.
In the Luke passage in Luke 9, we see the detail. This is in verse 38. Teacher, I implore you, look on my son. He's my only son. And what if we just, as fathers and mothers, what if we just kind of looked at it like, Lord, if you'll just, if you'll use me in my prayer life just to see one boy delivered of a demonic torment today, or one little girl that's been afflicted by, you know, depression or severe anxiety or, you know, I don't know, the you know, physical pain or, you know, there's so many things out there. I mean, I, I do prayer for a living and so I get all kinds of, I hear so many heartbreaking stories and I just want to give Jesus to people as much as I can. I just was on a walk this week. I do walks and had this unusual divine appointment where someone pulled up in their car and just began to pour out how their daughter had just had a, a miscarriage of both babies. They had twins and both died. And I just, I'm, I just kind of broke on the inside. I just said, Jesus, I, I, just, I just wish I could do more for people. I mean, it's just, there's so many difficulties. And uh, so I said I'd be praying for this young woman. It was their first children. It was two kids and they weren't even born. And, and so you just see the enemy. He, he just he prowls around looking how he can destroy life and make people cynical and, you know, all kinds of tragic things happening. And despite all that, we just say, Jesus, I believe this is true. I know it's true. I want to contend for this so that maybe one boy or one girl could be less afflicted or set free. And so that's my challenge for us as I close. I want to believe for thousands, tens of thousands of miracles, but maybe there's just the one. You know, this one story that happened here ended up touching who knows how many. And let's as fathers and mothers, but also spiritual moms and dads, take up the, the urgency and the burden to pray for the next generation of sons and daughters who are going through things that many of us didn't have to face. And let's say, Lord, there's that one right there. I want you to set him free, God. Let's, let's be able to take up that burden and, and stick with that and, and, and see them set free. We've had gatherings right in this place I mean, many stories, but I just remember it was like right over here. There was a young, it was a, it was a youth group, tons of young people, and something was going on with one of them. And, and just we began to pray, and, and it lifted. And it's just like, wow. And, and the, the, the young person even said, she said, I've never in my life had a prayer answered that quickly. That was for the first time she'd experienced an answer to prayer instantly. And she was going through something and she just felt it lift right there in the prayer meeting. And I'm thinking, that's stuff we got to see more on the regular. I mean, when I, I've, I've seen a lot of neat answers to prayer, but when you see with your eyes someone really struggling in the prayer meeting, I mean, at least they're here, but then they're like, it's, it's, I'm better. I, it just went. It's, I was feeling this way and now I feel better. It's like, that's what we need. Lord, let our churches, let this prayer room, let the... Let the places of our community that, that are named, uh, that have the name of Jesus attached to them, Lord, or that are the Christian ministries, Lord, that name the name of Jesus, Lord, let there be much healing, much freedom, many impossible things 
being broken, God. Many mountains moving, Father. I pray, Lord, that we would see our sons and daughters set free from demonic afflictions, Lord. We would see this young generation that is going through difficulties and, uh, you know, just the assignment of the enemy. Lord, I'm asking you, raise up the intercessors, raise up the praying dads like in this story and the praying moms that will, that will pray until Jesus breaks in. I thank you for this word, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to receive it as you would speak it to us, Lord. I'm just a, I'm just a lowly messenger. I'm just a lowly communicator, Lord, just trying to put the burden of your heart out there for all of us. I pray you'd help us to receive it, Father, and to take the words you've spoken, Lord. Help us to be a faith-filled generation. Help us to be a faith-filled church that is able to exercise our spiritual authority at the level you've called us to. I bless your church tonight. I bless your leadership. I pray even this weekend, there would be testimonies throughout the church in the greater Peoria region, impossible things breaking, mountains moving, incurable diseases being healed in services, in worship gatherings, in prayer meetings this very weekend and this coming week. Lord, let it increase in the name of Jesus. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org slash donate. That's gphop.org slash donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.